What up, world? Hey, Howdy, howdy. Welcome back to uh, another episode of the Amer Podcast, number 4,269. Um, uh, henceforth, all episodes will be that number. Yeah. It's going to be tough to get through our backlog if you ever go back and listen, because <laughs> they'll be labeled the exact same. Um, <laughs> uh, no, today's episode is uh, 193, um, and we're going to come at you quick tonight with a quick update on the latest Trump indictment. We got the original duo in the house, both Johns here. Mr. Anderson, how are you this evening? 100% John Cast. let's go. Um, yeah, right? Yeah, we love that. Uh, 10 out of 10. Um, good. I don't think it'll be that hard to track, uh, the backlog of episodes because you can just track per Trump indictment. So, yeah. you know, indictment one, indictment two, indictment three, like we're still counting. It's just his indictments, not the episode numbers. It goes all the way back to the start of his presidency to take you all the way through all the bullshit that's happened since then. Really, if you look through the back catalog, it is kind of like a documented response of people to his terrible foray into politics that could potentially destroy this country so yeah it's uh, really great it's really cool i love yeah. how much uh that it's done by a um a lunatic yeah that's a good word for it lunacy he's a lunatic um but before we get too far into it i'm your host john kelly i'm doing well this evening uh our buddy tyler our west coast correspondent is doing west coast things you know, writing fairies. That's not wrong, actually. That's a that's yeah. a true statement that he's doing right now. Um, yeah. I'll leave well, it up to your imagination what that might mean. Exactly. But to each, to each listener their own. There's there's multiple because the English language is rad. Uh, there's multiple meanings to that sentence, and we'll just let it simmer. Right. Or let it sparkle, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, the big news of the day. Um, Barbenheimer. Of, oh, no, wait. Sorry. Oh, I missed it last week. I appreciated all the discussion of the Barbie movie and the throwbacks to Matchbox 20. And I'm glad you guys got the nerd out a little bit. Nostalgia yeah. out. Hell yeah. Yeah. But the news of the day is the most serious indictment. <laughs> Speaking of ink, fun English words, you got to uh, get that C in there, man. Yeah. I know it throws you for a loop, John. Um, I hate that C. But uh, Donald Trump was federally indicted today um, in, for his role in the January 6th insurgency, uprising, terrorist riot. act, a yep. riot, however you want to yep. say it. Um, not, a, not a tourist visit to the Capitol. Not that. Don't, don't say it that way. Um, and this is huge news. Um, I know we have been waiting a long time on this podcast for something like this to happen. I think a lot of people in the U.S. and frankly around the world have been eagerly awaiting to see what's going to happen here. Um, because this is this is the big one. This is the one that really gets to the heart of whether or not a sitting president can meaningfully mess with the rollover of an election in the yep. democracy of yep. our country. Yep. Uh, additional thoughts, John. Uh, so I think, you know, number one, I'm also very, everyone's calling this the big one. I agree with that, but I am also still keeping a close eye on Georgia. I think that one's yeah. going to be really important. Also, we'll talk a little bit later, I think, about um, 
some of the interesting intricacies of that vis-a-vis uh, -vis the election. Um, so, and also um, the DA in Georgia might be able to use this as part of what looks to be a RICO case. So they might end up, you know, um, uh, merging, not merging, that's the wrong word, but interacting with each other in a, in a significant yeah, way. It, it sounds like some of the evidence that is being used in this case would also be used in the Georgia case I as well. I think Georgia, the DA might have already subpoenaed some of it. So um, yeah, so that's, that's a big thing. So I just want to note that um, this is a significant indictment. Um, there, I think that the maximum sentence, if convicted of all of these, would be around 50 years, I want to say. So it is a very significant. Now, you know, sentencing guidelines are not going to mandate that. That's a maximum sentence. It'll very likely be much lower. However, any jail sentence would be significant for a man of Trump's age. So um, yeah. this is probably existential for Trump. It's probably the presidency or if he is convicted life in prison given his age and given his um interesting views on health so um that's going to be really significant for how this plays out it was interesting that um there was no uh sedition um included in this from everything yeah. i can understand it's because that was going to open up the prosecution to more um free speech uh um counter arguments and so what they did interestingly was they didn't charge that but they kind of folded the violence of the day and the speech at the ellipse into the charges that they brought so it wasn't like we're charging you based on the violence of the day. We're using the violence of the day to prove what we're trying to convict you of. So right. um, coming from a novice non-lawyer, that seems like a pretty smart thing to do. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very conservative type approach. And yes. honestly, in in a case that's already so mired in politics and will have political viewpoints spouted on every aspect of it. Um, it's much better to take a more conservative, safe route in terms of what you charge somebody with. The easier it is to prove, the easier it is to tell the story and provide the evidence to a jury, the better it is for the prosecution's case. That goes kind of without saying across any kind of trial, um, but especially true in something like this. Um, I, was a, I was a bit surprised that Seditious wasn't there just because of my own opinions on what happened that day and, and seeing yeah. it. But I, I, I do think that it's better to not add that in at yeah. this point. Uh, and it kind is, of for everybody involved. In, totally. You know, and, it, and it could be added. There could be a superseding indictment like we saw in the Mar-a-Lago case. So it's entirely possible that they could bring it and it is an ongoing investigation. Um one other thing about the charges I thought that was really interesting. So the the charges, I'll read them. Um, this is from NPR. One count of conspiracy to defraud the United States. One count of conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. That was Congress counting the votes. Uh, one count of obstruction of and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. Again, same thing. And then um, one count of conspiracy against rights. 
that one is a really interesting yeah. one. Conspiracy um, against voting rights for every American is basically, basically what yeah, saying. like basically <clears throat> yeah. what they are saying is Donald Trump tried to throw out hundreds of thousands of legitimate votes, which uh, infringes on citizens' rights to cast their vote. Uh, the history of this charge is really interesting. It was um, originally uh, brought into law in the KKK Act, I believe, during this during Civil War Reconstruction, and it was meant to um, fight against white vigilante mobs um, during Reconstruction. Yeah, so, in the South. yeah, interesting. So the history of it, I thought, was very interesting, echoing. Um, the disenfranchisement of primarily black voters in the South during Reconstruction. So, right. Yeah. Um, how many? How many of the votes that Trump tried to throw out behind closed doors? Do you think he was really saying are based on illegals and based on people of color? Exactly. Like almost all of them. Like yeah, it's not hard to draw that comparison. A hundred percent. And if you look at after. the, you know, where they challenged votes, it was in you know, heavily black areas of predominantly African-American communities. Yeah. Yep. And like Detroit and communities. Philadelphia. Yep. So, um, yeah. So that one I think is, is interesting to note, um, just the history of that and everything. Um, I don't, not, yeah, I can't tell you of a time in the 20th century that I even heard about someone being charged with that specific. Yeah. Um, and, charge, and actually it, it, it's, stuck out to me just the wording of it i was like that's a weird wording that doesn't sound modern and that's because it is in fact not it was um so okay so it was it was passed in the enforcement act uh between 16 or 1868 and 1870 uh okay. and quote served as the basis for federal activism in prosecuting corruption of the fran uh corruption of the franchise until most of them were replaced in the 1890s um so very interesting um, thing to note there. Um, I think another interesting note is that there were six uh, uncharged co-conspirators. Um, they were, let me see if I can find a list of them. It was Giuliani, let's see if I can do it by memory. It was Giuliani, uh, Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark. Um, shoot, who was that other official from the DOJ? uh Rudy, Rudy Giuliani did I say let me you said Giuliani first okay. yeah um, yeah but it, it was pretty much the core group around him in the months leading right up to the election um legal counsel and people Eastman. in the DOJ Eastman yeah, and Clark Eastman. yep yeah. um yeah. we we know this they were unnamed uh co-conspirators but we know this because there were quotes in the indictment that are very that are public um, so yeah. we were able to quickly identify five of the six co-conspirators. The sixth is a unnamed political operative. And, um, I've heard some theories about who it is, but there's nobody who feels certain enough to really like mm. publish it. So, um, and so, you know, why are these people included? Um, I would recommend, uh, Lawfare's most recent podcast on this. They go into a lot of detail about it. Um, but they say it could be trying to incentivize cooperation out of these six. And it's unlikely that these six will be added to this particular indictment because that's going to further complicate the matter and further delay the matter. But yeah. there could be other indictments coming for these people. Um, also, and again, Lawfare goes into more detail about this, but 
there is some indication that Rudy Giuliani might be at least exploring the idea of cooperation. So basically, it's like, hey, we won't indict you for anything, but tell me some stuff about Donald Trump. I don't know. Right. And it's yeah, that's that's played oftentimes yeah. um, by the 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 system here that we're talking about. And um, to, to be, you know, I don't think they'll flip, to be honest. I think Giuliani's exploring it. Right. I think you yeah. got the idea. I, I bet he won't. He'll hope that Trump's legal team can drag this out until the election. Yeah. <laughs> hope that Trump gets election. It's all gets pushed under the rug and yeah. they can all argue, hey, we were right because now we control the executive branch. And so we'll just make yeah. it all good. Dispute. Trump could <laughs> name a, uh, as, as dark as that is. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a real thing. Like Trump could name an attorney general and say, I order you to drop these charges like that. Correct. Is. So... It's his best. It's his best legal avenue. At this yes, point, it is. Is, is to get yeah. reelected. Um, it's and absolutely his best legal avenue. Going back to to the thing I foreshadowed about Georgia, um, it's very so that is a county level prosecution, and so it's very unclear about what happens to a county level prosecution of the sitting president of the United States, given the supremacy clause in the Constitution. Right. So, we, I, I have no idea what that means, and I don't think a, it's untested in American history. It's so it, yeah, it would go, it would go down as maybe more important constitutionally than the one we're talking about right yeah. now, um, just because it will point out something that I don't think anybody ever thought would ever happen that you'd have no. a certain president. <laughs> tried and convicted in a state county courthouse yeah. or something right? well and there's also uh, state like the hush money stuff is state level right so yeah. like can the state of new york find a sitting president guilty and then what happened is the state of new york uh national guard gonna go arrest donald trump at the white house and send him to rikers Right. Is that going to happen? <laughs> you know, like the gaming this out and we're, we're not even talking about the impacts on the election itself. Trump is going to have to be flying back and forth from Iowa and New Hampshire and all these legal proceedings. So what does that mean for the election? It's totally unclear. Also, there was just a report that Trump has spent $40 million in legal fees from his, yeah, tax his PACs running out of money. They're out of money. They asked <laughs> yeah. for a refund that they gave to another Trump aligned PAC of, I think, $60 million. And so it's, it's very, pretty wild. It looks like the wheels are just coming off the bus. <laughs> like, yeah. seriously, it's hitting the fan in Trump world. Um, but I, what I found really interesting today and something I was thinking about after I saw a quick blurb was the timing of all these trials mm. going forward now. Right. Yep. Um, because we, we are still waiting on the Georgia indictment. And part of that could wait until after this federal one goes down because of the evidence stuff we were talking about before. But I, I found it really interesting. I heard a couple legal scholars talking today and they're like, usually in cases like this, when a defendant has kind of multiple trials going on at once, what they do is everybody gets together, the judges get together, the lawyers get together, and they decide which one goes first. And it's usually the one that's going to be the most expedient, mm -hmm. and it's going to be the fastest trial, which is the one that he was indicted on today. It's the smallest count. There's one right. defendant currently, um, which right. means that this one could be solved faster right. within the next six months to 12 months, and the right. other ones would wait afterwards. And honestly, I think there's a good argument to be made that this one should be the one that goes yeah. first. If we're going to talk about a person who is running 
for the presidency who was charged with stuff for messing up the integrity of the last presidential election that he's now competing in again, that one should be the first one to go before the hush money, even though it was announced later. Um, but I, I'll be interested to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. If they, that starts getting licked, it leaked and when that scheduling kind of stuff happens. Um, and they've got to be really careful about that kind of stuff too, because Trump will take advantage of that and say the deep state is conspiring against me. They all got in a oh, room yeah. with cigars and decided to chart, you know, like, and it is a normal. It's, it's already there, but it'll yeah. be even worse. It'll be mad. It'll give them right. some real ammunition. So they've got to be yeah. really careful about how they coordinate this kind of thing. But also there are really like practical things where it's like, yeah, as a judge, I can't schedule this hearing because there's a hearing for this guy the same day in a different state, a different jurisdiction. So like there are practical things that have to happen. And that's that's kind of one of the secret sauces of Trump was he's able to take normal proceedings and make them sound ominous and like uh the deep state is conspiring against him you know and so yeah. um this is all gonna well when you paint really yourself around. as a me against the world i'm draining the swamp i'm the person like everybody's out to get you then at right. that point right it's yeah. his whole personal persona like yeah uh, so and then like what if what if the trial happens he's convicted on multiple years he's sentenced before the election and then he wins yeah Right. He's in jail the night that the election happens. He still wins the election. Like, yeah, he's in federal prison. He could let himself out of federal prison, I guess, because he would be the head of the executive branch. Right. <laughs> or do you they know? like roll the resolute desk into his fucking jail cell and like covers from that? You know, like the the implications Completely of this chart craziness. Uh, it's it's really it. James Madison's head would explode. James Madison would freak the fuck out about this so yeah i very rarely like invoke like oh the founding fathers were wiser and like their times of like plop you know that kind of old yeah. dodge like oh they would have known what is better i'm like i think in this case most of them would have just like grown a spine and been like no we're not gonna allow you to be president again right like yeah <laughs> even the, though you have like 30 percent right now we're not gonna let our fledgling nation get taken over by you right, right. <laughs> like it's just not gonna the, happen this is one of the things I've been thinking a lot about because basically, and you can tell me if you disagree about this, but basically the, the, the bedrock assumption of the constitution is that generally speaking, the populace is going to make generally okay decisions about their leaders. Like that is the underlying assumption in yeah. the entire constitution and how it's structured is ultimately like the, the citizenry will, will be the final check on their leaders and so if we elect this guy under these circumstances, it, it, it destroys, in my mind, some other people would disagree about this on a partisan level, uh, but it destroys the underlying assumption of the Constitution. And like we were talking about in our text thread, if the Republicans get both houses of Congress and the presidency under these circumstances, it's going to be bad. It's going to be yeah a yeah you, you thought the ending. yeah fascism forming um, it will be, almost on day one you have yes. to think um, the retribution would be swift he's not going to walk into the White House and lay down I mean no. you think that his he's vitriolic now wait until he's like, already talking about bringing troops U.S. military troops to um, domestically 
Um, mm-hmm. He's talking about firing basically all of the federal government's staff other than, which is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, especially depending on how you count, um, unless they essentially sign loyalty plans. Yeah, loyal, loyalty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so, fascist dictator shit. And, yeah. um, and, and you're right. And what makes it really difficult, I think, and really scary at this point is that there is a general, there is more apathy around this subject that I've seen happen um, in the last six months than in the previous six years. Um, And it's the time where people need to be the most concerned uh, and the most ready to do something about it. And this next election, as long as he is a candidate on the Republican side, which all signs point to that he will be, is the election to decide the election to like the future of this country. Like we, it's been used in hyperbole in the past. It's really not. Um, and you know, if a small group of people allow him to take the ticket and then win a close election and take over the presidency and screw over, I mean, I highly doubt he would win the popular vote. It would be a very close vote where he wins a couple swing states right and it'll be highly contested in each one of those right and if he loses he'll contest it again the same way he did like there's no i'm I'm totally convinced 100 because he can't admit he'll lose and it's a it's a fucking disaster for everybody involved um the short-sightedness of the republican party right now is is wild it's um unbelievable well it's i mean uh, it's it is very short-sighted it's it's um collective action problem right because if they all came oh. out and said we're not going to do this we're, we're not nominating him we won't serve you know and literally like every elected republican official including fox news they would probably eventually move off of him the the, the republican voters but if you're the first one to do that everyone's going to murder you and then and then you, you're done so everybody has to move at once or nobody's gonna move and that's the political science definition of a collective action problem so um it's and it you know it it, i understand the calculus from individual republicans they're like if i come out against this guy super hard there's a zero percent chance i'll win the nomination but it's like if all of you do it you have a chance of winning the nomination right now you will not because he's going to so what are you going to do yeah so yeah yeah, i mean for for them they're between a rock and a hard place that they've gotten themselves into over bowing to him for the last six years right they didn't grow a spine when they didn't grow their spines when they had they had him in congress and they could have just done it in the first impeachment they could have done it again at the second impeachment they could have tried to cut the head off the serpent then and now they're for better or worse they've made their bedfellow and they're going to lie in it and the question is whether or not we all get dragged down with it, yep, right? As it crashes and burns. Um, For and me, hopefully there's enough people yeah, that don't want to go down that route. <laughs> let's <laughs> but, hope so. Um, for me, the yeah. moment was the Hollywood access tape. That's where everybody made oh, the decision. Yep. Um, yep. The Republican Party had a prime opportunity to say, you know what? We fucked up. This is not the guy we want leading our party. Um, we're not going to support him in the election. Uh, this is unconscionable for, um, you know, our, as an example for our children. And so, and, and uh, Chaffee, the, the Republican congressman from Utah, uh, is the perfect exemplar of this for me. He, li- he was like, 
week one was like, I can't look my daughters and wife in the eye and support him. And then the next week he was back to supporting him. And so if they'd all bailed and it would have happened also would have happened after the election, if he had lost, everybody would have. Oh, oh, totally. Yeah. We wouldn't be anywhere near if he had lost for sure. They would have all dumped on him. He would have been gone, but because 70,000 people across what was it? Ohio, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania voted differently. Uh, here we fucking are. So, um, so folks, I think uh, what we can say here is that if you don't think that your vote matters, it really matters. The last insane six to seven years and the next six to seven to a couple decades is going to be determined whether you come out and vote or not and ask your family members and your friends to go vote. So um, it is it is crucial to the future of our country that you do that. So please, 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 instead of saying, I I am going to go vote, say, I'm a voter. Make it part of your identity. That's really, really important. So uh, to all you voters out there, Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. This is where music plays. Music, 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 music. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's Trump Correct. running with his lawyers. <laughs> there we go. And then uh, some some end of podcast banter, 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 banter. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs>